Good afternoon, and welcome to Remapping Digital Strategies, Establishing Priorities in a Changing Economic Environment, a Health System CIO Media Inc. production, sponsored by Kairos. Just a little housekeeping before we get started. Uh, my name is Anthony Guerra. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Health System CIO, and I'll be your moderator today. Uh, we're hoping for some questions. If you have them, send them in to us in the Q&A box, and we'll take them later in the program. Just so you see how we're going to spend our time today, we're going to go about 35, 40 minutes with our main panel discussion featuring Dr. Rob Bart, CMIO at UPMC, Joel Venko, SVP and Chief Information and Digital Officer with Hartford Healthcare, and Scott Andrews, General Manager for Health Systems with Kairos. So let's jump right in. Um, Dr. Bart, let's start with you. Can you give us an overview of your organization and role? So um, as a chief medical information officer here, uh, I work predominantly on the delivery side of our organization. So UPMC is about a 50-50 split between our, our payer side and um, delivery as far as finances go. We have about 40 plus hospitals, predominantly in the state of Pennsylvania, with a small outpost in western New York and a small outpost in western Maryland. And then, of course, the accoutrement of all of the sort of ambulatory sites to support the acute care. We also extend into the post-acute space um, in traditional SNF LTAX, um, as well as trying to develop uh, innovations in in-home delivery of services. Uh, all of the clinical solutions here um, report into me as far as how they function and operate for, the, for UPMC. Very good. Thank you. Joel? Yeah, uh, good afternoon, Anthony. Thank you for having me. So uh, Hartford HealthCare is um, right now the largest health system in Connecticut. Um, and I say right now because it's uh, they're, they're, it's sort of a back and forth between us and another health system that shall not be named at the moment. <laughs> um, but um, uh, we are about four, over 450 sites across um, Connecticut, uh, 10 uh, hospitals, um, you know, we had a strategy that started uh, well before me uh, coming on board about five months ago that uh, we wanted to be uh, within 10 miles of every resident in Connecticut. And I, I'm proud to say that we're, we're there. And of course, I opened my mouth um, uh, to the CEO and I said, what if we're zero miles? And so here we are with the digital strategy. Um, we also have um, uh, some academic affiliations with um, Quinnipiac University um, and uh and also have uh, residents from UConn that come over to our, our main hospital. Uh, we've got a number of joint ventures, uh, including Go Health, and you may have seen um, uh, One Medical recently. Um, uh, while they did get uh, acquired by Amazon, we're also uh, we've got a partnership with them uh, down in the, um, uh, the the southern eastern part of, of Connecticut. Uh, but uh, we're continuing to grow, and uh, I'm excited to be here with you today to to talk about digital. Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, Dr. Bart, Joel, it's nice to see you both. Um, pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is Scott Andrews. I lead the uh, health system team at Kairos, which uh, Kairos, uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with us, we're, um, you know, we're a leader in patient access, guidance, transparency. We, we work with over 100 health systems and, and 400 medical groups. Um, we also work with over 100 health plan brands. Uh, to bring all of that data information together so that we can uh, help consumers, members, patients, providers 
uh, put their best foot forward and find each other as uh, they're, you're both looking for care and matching up care uh, out there in the marketplace. Um, we do that by essentially starting with creating a golden record of who the provider is, and then again, getting that data uh, around that provider, including their availability and schedule everywhere where somebody might be looking for care. All right, very good, Scott, thank you. All right, uh, big question, but uh, we'll jump right into it. Um, Dr. Barr, we're gonna start with you. Health okay. systems across the country are facing IT budget cuts and are being challenged to seek out greater efficiencies. Have you been asked to cut back or reevaluate your digital initiatives? And if so, what's the criteria for determining which projects will continue, which will be deferred, and which will be eliminated? And how a follow-up is how has your approach changed, if at all, to how you assess more foundational technology or infrastructure investment um, that would offer enterprise-wide benefit? Dr. Bart. Thanks, Anthony. So I think the key word in this question is is efficiency. I think um, we're always asked to evaluate and reevaluate sort of our impact on the overall health system budget, um, both in the total dollar amount as well as the percentage of the total budget. But I think that the thing that we're really being focused on right now is how, how are we looking at technology to improve the efficiency and effectiveness of our clinicians and our operations. Um, you know, that, and that's probably been the biggest focus for calendar 2022. Uh, as, as I think about it, you know, when we historically have gone and obtained a new technology or solution, we historically, have, at least in my feeling, have not been as good at documenting what does that technology provide as far as value to the organization? And I think we're trying to do that much better today. And part of the reason is three or four years from now, if we're not involved, someone coming and looking at, hey, why do we pay a million dollars for X on an annual basis? If we haven't documented well what the opportunity of efficiency and effectiveness that the organization has gained, that's become something that's easy to easily sort of lopped off the budget. And I think we're trying to really focus on what is the value that UPMC is deriving, both for its clinicians and operations, as well as for its patients and consumers. And then making sure that that value is continued to be measured on an ongoing basis. And that's become much more of the focus of how we evaluate both our incumbent technologies, as well as those solutions we're looking at right now. And, and, and um, efficiency has been a very, very uh, big focus for 2022. A lot of it, as, as all of you know, and I'm sure our um, attendees know, healthcare, like all of the other industry verticals, has had significant challenge with um, getting uh, you know, a good employee base. And it's not just clinically um, uh, credentialed employees like RNs and physicians, but large healthcare systems like I'm at and where Joel are is um, require a large number of employees to support the clinical operations. And those are the ones that I think that, that um, are sort of unsung heroes. And we have to figure out how do we use technology in a more effective manner to bridge those gaps. For example, our biggest challenge is we were a very central call center mediated um, access for care. Um, and the number of FTEs to support that was pretty significant. 
And as we've tried to recraft ourselves into a much more digital access, we've had to not only take into account, is it digital for the patient and consumer, but is the actual clinical operations also digitized so that we can actually decrease the FTE footprint because the FTEs aren't available to continue that part of our operation. So I just wanted to give you that as sort of one example of some of an area we're paying a lot of attention to. And there's a willingness by IT as well as our financial partners here at UPMC to invest if those solutions have that type of return on investment and create the value for UPMC. Thanks, Anthony. Sure. And the, the ROI, measuring the ROI is what you're talking about when you say sort of monitoring these applications after they're purchased to see if you're getting out of them what you had hoped to get out of them. Exactly. And, and I think traditionally people had looked at the, the um, I think the, the financial ROI relative to other technology, as opposed to looking at what was the, the total, total cost of ownership and value it provides, which is something that we're paying much more attention to, meaning we're also trying to look at how it impacts the operational support and operational dollars and seeing if we can drive those further down with the right investment in technology. Very good. Joel, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I think I'd also um, just augment the, the question a little bit. I mean, I think we're all facing budget cuts just across the board in terms of all domains. So, you know, I just came off of a conversation, um, as I mentioned to you earlier, uh, you know, talking about how do we... Um, you know, for this year, look at um, right-sizing our budgets, you know, across all of our domains, clinical, non-clinical, um, IT facilities, et cetera. And, and yet, you know, uh, I think as, as uh, Rob had mentioned, um, you know, technology is even that much more critical for um, trying to figure out in these tough times how to leverage technology, how to leverage data to do your work maybe better and different. Um, and so I think for us, it's, it's sort of thinking about what are the fundamental things that we still need to continue to, to do, you know, provide quality care, provide safe care, um, you know, uh, optimize our access uh, imperative. And then the things that um, we believe are, you know, accretive to the organization, uh, like our necessary growth and strategic um, initiatives. And so, so those are sort of that's the framework that we use to, to think about how uh, we then apportion the budget uh, to ensure we're still, you know, watering parts of the lawn, if you will, that um, will enable us to, to at the very least look like we've, um, you know, we're continuing to, to progress forward. And so uh, while we have aspirations to do a number of things digitally, uh, some things that are transformative and, and, and innovative, the question we ask is, um, you know, what can we do that can, uh, you know, continue the way that we deliver care at, at, the, at the highest possible level um, with what with what we have? And so, I think, you know, Rob brought up uh, again the access piece and um, efficiencies around access. Um, you know, I think that's a really great example of of where, you know, we can facilitate. Um, you know, uh, different ways of, of providing access and or uh, different ways of allowing uh, our patients to, to acquire access through self-service capabilities, through, 
you know, technologies that enable us or digital capabilities that enable, uh, you know, our um, access representatives to to be more efficient in the way that they look for uh, the, the the proper physician or clinician for the specific, uh, you know, patient. And so, you know, when I think about digital, and to your question about, you know, what initiatives do you do you cut? What initiative do you go forward with? You know, digital to me is not really just about, um, you know, the technology um, in and of itself. It really isn't that. It's not about a killer app at all. It's really about, you know, capabilities that enable you to enhance, uh, to harness the capabilities that you have across your health system. And so, uh, we are selecting digital capabilities that enable us to not only be more efficient, but be more effective in the way that we provide um, a service to our, to our patients. And so um, as I think about the, like I said, 400 plus sites and numerous institutes that, and services that these institutes give to our patients, the question is, is how do we give uh, patients a more efficient and effective way to engage with us and for us to engage with them um, using these capabilities. And so um, those are the kinds of things that we think about as we try to assess, you know, what do we do now uh, near uh, sort of, you know, near term and, and short term and, and, and further in the future. Well, Joel, Dr. Park mentioned that uh, in addition to maybe a, a closer eye on the budget, maybe cutting some dollars, um, there's also a, a push to say, what are, what are you doing with what you have? the money you're currently spending, are you sure it's all being used well? So before you ask for more money, um, are you using what you've got? Are there applications that he mentioned? Are there licenses that have been paid for for years that nobody's using? Are there applications where you're using, there's a hundred bells and whistles and we're using two. Um, So is there a push to do that as well as to maybe bring the budget down a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I've been in my my current role five months, and one of the first things that uh, I focused on was um, application rationalization. Um, You know, there's we have this initiative called Project One, and it's really about um, you know rationalizing the portfolio, identifying where those redundancies may be, and then selecting um, you know maybe one, hopefully one application that can kind of do all of those things that you've you know brought in five or six different um, applications to do. Uh, and so that's certainly one of the, the things that is, is um, you know, top of mind for us is application rationalization. The other part is about optimization, to your point, and, and really thinking about, um, you know, your portfolio uh, as a, a sort of a with a product mindset rather than a project mindset of kind of yesterday, you know, uh, in the past we were all about projects and sort of one and done and, and we move on to the next because there were so many things to have to implement or deploy. But now it's really about how do you optimize the products and capabilities that you have with the product focus so that you're evolving it continuously, making it better for your for your users and your customers. And so uh, it really it does bring out that question of, you know, did we um, you know, eke out or, or squeeze as much out of that particular uh, capability or, or technology that that we should have and could have. And so um, that's where I'm focusing my applications teams now is, is really mm-hmm. on this notion of product management um, with a focus of, um, of really evolving it over time rather than just purely implementing and then moving on to the next. Yeah, it makes me think. See, if you do that, if you are able to come into any discussion and say, here's the rationalization we've done. It's tight every, you know, we're spending our dollars wisely. And oh, by the way, we need more. It's a lot better than just saying we need more. 
right to, to show to demonstrate um what's being done is being done properly and with thought uh scott let's bring you in here uh dr bart mentioned joel mentioned access i know that's where you play uh people coming in interacting with the health system in a digital way not needing as much human interaction obviously you want that to be as smooth as possible um those interactions can be good or they cannot be good right we can't just make them digital and, and not think about it because i think we've all been at the wrong end sometimes of a of an unpleasant digital encounter that didn't go anywhere but your thoughts on what's been said yeah no i mean uh it's it's uh it, it makes a lot of sense to me i think that everything that kairos does is is really try to optimize both the cost equation that a health system has as well as driving in uh, more patient uh, revenue and specifically i'll pick up on a point that that dr bart mentioned around centralizing the call center I mean, we're probably never going to get to the point where every single appointment can be scheduled online, right? So what you want to make sure of is that you're finding the right balance between engaging with a human where you need empathy, you need that, that voice on the other end to help reassure you that it's going to be okay and guide you through this experience that you're going through versus something that's a little bit more you know, mundane and straightforward. And let's have people book those appointments in a self-service manner um, because it's probably more efficient for them. They'd probably prefer to do it considering everything else that we do in our lives. And really, again, hold out those, those more intricate conversations to a human being so that you can have uh, that service and that experience that you're looking to drive on both sides of the equation. Yeah, that definitely sounds uh, like the way to go. Uh, all right. Next question, Joel, we're going to start with you. Thinking specific specifically about digital patient access initiatives, how are you reprioritizing your roadmaps? What does the process look like and who is involved in these decisions? Which initiatives or technologies are still top priority and which have been put on the back burner? Anything further you can offer there? Well, yeah, you know, um, so one of the things that we are focusing on um, is is the foundation um in our digital foundation and um, and the digital foundation has a lot to do with um, the data that we still have yet to really harness about our patients about our community because you know this notion of of, of consumerism and, and and digital and the digital patient uh, really cannot be achieved without uh, having information about those that you're serving and so uh, fundamentally, we we have to put this this data digital platform together. On top of which, the the digital capabilities can then sit to enable, um, you know, the uh, what I'll, we'll call the personalization of of the engagement to to that patient. And so that's really sort of the first part of this. We've you know, over the last decade, we've put in as many other health systems have put in the the core technologies, the Epic, the Cerner, whatever the EHR. Uh, is uh, and, and of course uh, other capabilities that collect this data. Now it's time to harness that information, a centralized platform that enables us to begin this um, this development of uh, you know what will be essentially a, a, the digital platform for our patients. And again, as I mentioned, the digital platform is really about harnessing uh, the capacity and capabilities of of our health system. In, in you know in a way that uh, serves it up to, to the patients uh, uniquely, uh, you know our vision at, at Hartford Healthcare is uh, is to be the trusted partner in um, personalized coordinated care and and really the data and digital 
uh, initiatives that we have, uh, or at least we're aspiring to achieve is going to be really central to that. Um, the folks that are involved with these initiatives uh, obviously are multidisciplinary, and it's it's really not a, a technology um, project or initiative so much as it is a business transformation uh, and a clinical transformation story that um, many folks across the, the enterprise have to be involved uh, in. Even the the development of our of our foundational data and digital um, platform, which is in some level, you know, a healthcare data base or data foundation, those have to be informed by um, the use cases that uh, you know the business leaders and the clinical leaders uh, and the staff um, are are living day to day. So uh, we've got folks that are you know clinically oriented, oriented like our, our chief clinical officers. Are, uh, you know, those that are on the finance side who are uh, absolutely focused on um, uh, access, but also on the rev cycle components of, uh, of the process, uh, you know, to the folks that are, um, you know, actually in, in the weeds of, of the day-to-day, uh, you know, clinical work. And so it really does span um, the, the enterprise and the business, and uh, it requires uh, a number of different viewpoints and, and, and lens um, of, of all of these different individuals. I would also add that, you know, as we build this platform, uh, one of our lenses that's critical is, is uh, the, the equity lens. And so, um, you know, we've got, uh, we're blessed with a, a really amazing um, diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging organization, uh, in addition to a human-centered um, uh, organization. And those two organizations allow us to, to, to do this in such a way where we're, we're always considering, uh, you know, who are we leaving out? What, what are we missing so that we can include and involve uh, all of those that are in the population? So I, I would say that that's how we... We focus on, um, you know, building this. Very good, very good, Doctor Bart. Yeah, I mean, building a bit on on what Joel said, you know, UPMC is not too significantly different in in its efforts. I think, um, what, as it relates to patient access, one, we've we've got a really enthusiastic, um, innovative employee group here, both clinically and operationally. And uh, part of that is redirecting from maybe these one-off point solutions as we're trying to create a true single digital front door for UPMC into more of a platform-based solution, right? And I think that's been one of the, I think, uh, wonderful things that has come out of the challenge of the pandemic. Um, Going into the pandemic, I would look at uh, digital access as being very point-specific solutions. And then the health health system like UPMC was left having to cobble these all together into an integrated sort of bundle that a consumer or patient could could interact with. And I think that um, there's been a rapid maturity within the digital access space into different platforms that people can think about leveraging so you can actually create a much more holistic experience for for that patient or consumer. Um, you know, it uh, it's pr- probably one of the reasons I might be here is with Scott is because UPMC is uh, does use Kairos, right? And um, we did start off in the find the doc sort of uh, solution space with it, but we're now moving and morphing into sort of that's one of the platforms that were really the platform we're using to take new consumers and convert them to a patient. 
If you're a new individual within our geography who's looking for a new physician, a new service, some of our ancillary services, um, it's, it's more than likely if you don't have an established relationship that you may come in through what we put out publicly through Kairos. We're going to leverage that as a platform of engagement to try and work towards converting that consumer into a patient. Um, and that's one of the things I'm, I'm much very excited about is the opportunity to have more of a platform level engagement um, as it relates to, to uh, patient access. I think the other thing that we're paying a lot more attention to is a lot of the initial foray into consumer and patient access digitally paid attention to the digital interaction of the patient or the consumer. What it didn't do, though, was pay equal attention to the digital interaction of the clinical operations. And in fact, many of the initial solutions, all they did was create a work queue on the internal side. So you ended up, so if I don't have enough people to man a central call center, then I probably don't have enough people to also oversee working a bunch of queues. And I think the more mature solutions today are in, including um, robotic process automation or other tool sets so that not only is the consumer patient experience digital, but the clinical operation experience is much more automated and much more digital. And that, that actually has been one of the things that we've been focusing on as we reprioritize our roadmap. Is it not, just, is it not only a good consumer experience that aligns with UPMC, but, it is, but is it also offering a good employee experience and better automation so we can decrease the work effort and redundancy of employee effort? Um, and that's been a big focus for 2022 um, around our um, sort of reprioritization and focused on making things more efficient and more effective for care delivery. Very Thanks. good. Very good. Scott, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, I agree with everything that Dr. Bart and Joel are, are, are highlighting. I think I'll go back to the point that Joel made around patients and understanding who the patients are. And, and that's where you know, everybody loves to talk about supply and demand, but it's not very often where you actually have the whole picture of the supply of your providers and where that demand is coming from and how that might compare to your competitors. And so knowing that you've got somebody who's looking for a neurologist, you know, uh, in the suburbs and doesn't want to come downtown necessarily, and, and being able to overlay that with where your providers are or where you want your provider network to be, I think is an empower is a is a really powerful component to how you better serve the patients in your community and attract them into your organization. Uh, and and clearly, you know, again at Kairos, we we believe we help our clients to do this. And so I think that's a really important component that that Joel was calling out there. Hey Scott, Joel mentioned uh, equity and inclusion um, that they're working on that. It seems that access would be a big part of that, and that's something you work to facilitate. Do you have any specific thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, clearly, you know, I think the most obvious thing is telehealth has, has really gone a long way to ensuring that people are more included and have access to care. But there are other things that you need to do to make sure that your websites are certified and compliant along those lines. And I, I think that, you know, most organizations are doing a good job on all of those fronts at this point in time. And if there was anything positive that came out of the pandemic, perhaps that's the one silver lining. Well, right. I, you know, Scott, I would also, sorry, I would also add 
well, first of all, we're, we're not a, a Kairos customer, but I, I did have uh, Kairos when I was in my last life at Base State. And so I know a lot about your technology, but the, you know, um, with regards to uh, equity and inclusion, uh, you know, you, your capabilities could uh, house the characteristics of, of clinicians who have, you know, different languages that they speak, um, you know, the Absolutely. their ethnicity, et cetera. And so that matters to, uh, to, to many patients who, who may be more comfortable seeing somebody who is, is like them. And so um, that also helps, you know, our access representatives to find those specific uh, individuals much more seamlessly. So to, you know, to, to Rob's point, you know, that's, that's a great sort of, you know, dual benefit, right? You get the, the patients, what they're looking for. And then the access center folks have a much easier time finding uh, those unique characteristics of, p- of providers who might be out in the, um, in the community. I completely agree with you, Joel. Completely agree. All right. Very good. Next question. We're going to start with you, Dr. Bart. Um, how are you assessing ROI on digital initiatives today and how has that changed compared to previous years? What do you need to see in an ROI narrative to believe it is compelling and convincing as personnel costs factor heavily into ROI? How has your calculus or thought process around staffing and human capital changed or not in the past few years? And think of an initiative that is very important, but for which demonstrating ROI is extremely difficult. What would you do to make the case to continue with the project? Wherever you want to jump in there, whatever you find most compelling. Yeah, I, um, I alluded to this at the, at the top question, but I think we're paying much more attention to total cost of ownership of solutions. And, and I think in the past, we might have been solely focused on it, this makes the doctors and APPs more efficient. This makes the nurses more efficient. This makes the consumer patient experience a lot better. And I, I don't, we don't have the ability and the finances to be able to pay attention to that as just the sole success criteria anymore. We have to actually factor in putting in the new technology does it make our employees more efficient and more effective? We really have to account for that these days. And we have to document it very, very well. Um, the, the, the days where I could put something in that was a shiny object that the consumers loved, but I also had it to add 10, 20, or 50 FTEs to make it run on the back end, those aren't existing. They're not around anymore. We don't have that luxury. We have to actually be thinking about, yes, we can create and improve that patient consumer experience while improving the clinical operational experience and the number of FTEs that it takes to support that endeavor. Um, hopefully, it's either the same as when we were before, but ideally, it's even we're even able to decrease the operational salary support that's required for the new technology that we put in. You know, um, I use the example of our, our central call center, which has a large number of FTEs involved in it. And as we look at trying to move more and more of our patients to a digital self-service scheduling model, that scheduling model has to be digital from the patient consumer initiation to the end where it actually lands the scheduled appointment. We don't want any manual steps in there so that we are actually decreasing the the footprint of the number of employees needed in that process of getting a scheduled appointment. To what Scott said um, earlier also, we will always need a call center at UPMC. There will always be 
circumstances and situations that need to be facilitated by an agent with an interaction. But for those who can be facilitated without needing an agent, we need to make sure that we can, we can interact, help them find what they need and land that appointment scheduled on a, on a calendar without any human interaction other than the patient or the consumer initiating, yes, I need this service tomorrow. And, and that's really an area where we're trying to focus on the total cost of ownership. And we're, and we're really trying to document the impact of that once the project progresses and goes live so that when we look back five or 10 years from now, people will say the reason we're spending this money here is because it had this type of value and impact to the organization, as opposed to just looking at the contracted costs and saying, oh, we could save this. And then three years after you end that contract, you go through the, yeah, but we had to add 150 FTEs when we ended that contract. That's what we, we don't want to have to go back through those processes again. Um, and I think we're doing a lot better job at really understanding what the total cost of ownership and or, or the total impact that some of this digital transition is having on the organization. Uh, Joel, is this something you're doing too? I think you alluded to it. Uh, what I'm thinking here, and we'll go back to Dr. Barton in a few minutes. What I'm thinking here is a deep dive into TCO for a particular application is a fairly complicated, time-consuming, and skill-intensive thing. You know, I mean, I don't think this. I do. Do do you have the the talent, so to speak, skill set in house? Do you have to bring in outside people? Because I could see so much of the resources of the IT department being taken up in ascertaining whether or not the things they have rolled out at the request of the businesses are actually being used. I mean, do you sh are you shadowing nurses to see how what they're clicking on and things like that? I, I it sounds like a big deal. Yeah, you know, so you're absolutely right. And and, um, and this is where, you know, IT and finance have, have traditionally, I think, played into your point and Dr. Bart's point, you know, the resource, it's, it's resource intensive to a certain degree. You know, um, we actually start with a pro forma, right, before we even get to the TCO. So first, you got to make a business case. And I, I don't want to bore everybody on the call. I'm sure they all know that they have to do that. And we try to do that because ultimately you want to you want to be able to articulate at the end of the day what the value of, of this project or program was to begin. And, and oftentimes we forget actually what it is that we're trying to achieve. We just start to look at the finish line and we cross it over and everybody sort of congratulates everybody else after you've crossed the finish line. But really, what did you get out of it? And so, you know, I think it for us, it's it's all always about, you know, what's the North Star you know, what is the, um, you know, in, in our case, what's the vision of the organization and, and, and let's sort of work backwards from there. If, if we're focused on, you know, personalized coordinated care, you know, the first question is, you know, this request of a digital capability or this project or program, does it map to that, uh, that vision? If it maps to that vision, then what is it that you're trying to achieve to, to really sort of, you know, get to that vision. Um, and and the, the question, I think, to Dr. Bart's point is, you know, what's the experience you're trying to uh, to achieve and or what's the outcome? And maybe it's, it's sort of both, right? Um, it's, you know, you want a highly satisfied um, patient and you also want to be able to Im improve access. Um, and then from there, you think about, you know, uh, what's what's the operational, what are the operational changes that you, you have to make? Because, 
I think in the past, we often, I believe we often, um, uh, I think, perceived in, in sort of, you know, deploying a technology meant that everything was going to get better, which is a, it's, which is a complete um, farce, right? We all know that it's all about people, process, technology. What I like to say is, you know, outcome experience, operational uh, change, and then, and then wrap the digital around it. Because ultimately, if you want a different outcome, you want a different experience, there's got to be some operational change that occurs. Um, and so then, you know, once you've realized, you know, sort of what you need to do operationally, then you can start to bring in and uh, infuse the technology. Um, but, you know, that to me then creates the pathway towards ensuring that you're able to measure the value and the outcome uh, and, and whatever other metrics you want to say are part of the success, uh, as well as monitor and identify, to your point, if a nurse has to change their workflow in their in their, um, you know, their process, you know, did they do that? Did they adopt it? First of all, did they do all of the right things? Is it cumbersome? Is it easy? Um, and so I think if you follow those processes, the technology almost sort of is in the background, which it should always be in the background and everything else is, is, is are the things that you really sort of, you know, pay attention to. You, you pay attention to the metrics for success and you pay attention to the adoption and processes that have changed uh, that ensure that you're going to uh, achieve those uh, those outcomes. Um, so so that's how you know we're we see it. And um, and, and to your point, you know I think it takes the whole organization to be able to know how to create the uh, the pro forma, um, you know, create the TCO and measure the TCO to, so that you can have that ROI um, achievable. Um, I, you know, I'd also like to add in terms of the question here. You know how do, how do you, you sort of look at um, you know personnel as a result of you know um, this sort of focus on, on um, you know digital initiatives and ROI? I would say to you that um, you know as we look at a more digital um, enabled workforce, to Dr. Bart's point, you know we also have to pay attention to upskilling the the staff, right? Um, giving them technology isn't going to um, you know, isn't going to create efficiency. Uh, at some level, you have to you have to educate them on um, the capabilities that they now have in front of them. Whether it's a set of data, or it's a set of digital tools, or maybe it's like I said before, it's a new process uh, or processes. And so, um, you know, we are thinking about digital as a way to enhance the way that people work, um, which could mean you know, we, we don't need two more bodies, but it could also mean that that one body is just doing, uh, I'd say more, uh, highly skilled work, uh, with the efficiency of, uh, of a, a technological partner or digital partner. So that's how, uh, hopefully that answers the, the, the question. I love your questions, by the way, they're just so packed with so much meat. It's hard to figure out where I want to start. It's like, a, <laughs> it's it's like a big sandwich that, you know, I just want to take a bite out of every <laughs> and it, it, on the East coast. It is about lunchtime. So hey, uh, Anthony, can I just add one more comment to Joel? I, I sure. agree with everything that, that Joel said, but one of the things that just popped into my mind as he was talking, um, that, that partnership between it and, and finance, I think has gotten better over my career in, in, in healthcare IT. And to the point now, we actually at UPMC have a, a new role. So the, the person who was worked for our CFO, who is monitoring our IT budget, 
became so interested in what we do within IT that we, we created a new role for him in technology business management. And so to, to, to what Joel's talking about, he actually now, he, this is an individual who formerly reported to our CFO who has the trust of our finance pillar, right? But is now working with in IT to get that sort of, what is the actual value to the organization that this investment is providing? And so that that's really, I think, um, his new role sort of crystallizes what we're really trying to achieve here at UPMC as we look at new technology. So, Scott, uh, you know, you sell a tool uh, that theoretically delivers value, which I think Dr. Bart uh, thinks it does, and Joel worked with it before. So a question to you is, what are your thoughts around, uh, if you were giving advice to CIOs and the like, about determining value, it seems to be a huge theme on this discussion. What would your advice be about how to determine whether or not you're getting value out of a tool you've purchased? Yeah, I, I like everything about your question, Anthony, except the theoretical part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was going to say the same thing. You know, theoretically valuable. I, right? I, I'm supposed to be you know. neutral. I mean, neutral <laughs> okay. third party. Right? That's all right. That's all right. So, look, we we deal with. Uh, customers, clients all the time who, who come to us and think about the common question is build versus buy. And, and so they like to think like I could build a provider data management tool that could solve my problems. And I think oftentimes we point them to other experts in the field who have tried to do it and have failed um, because it's a lot harder than you think it is. Um, the complexity uh, of bringing in data from credentialing, marketing, your EHR, your uh, your provider, your other provider management solutions, in the with your affiliates, um, your your uh, HR databases, your your ratings and reviews. There's a lot of complexity to a capturing all that information, b understanding which data element the source should be for that golden record of the provider, um, and then once you've even gone through that step, the cost of maintaining it, and so. So I would I encourage people to think about best in breed. Um, you know, health systems have a lot to do, and maybe developing every aspect of their software that they need isn't exactly where they should spend their time, money, and resources. Um, and so they have to think about like where do you truly want to be an expert and own something versus where do you want to be uh, using a best in breed solution. Uh, and so I encourage them to think about that and and understand their own dynamics inside of their organization first, before they go out and, and start uh, making decisions around a, a build versus buy, whatever the software may be, whether that's Kairos, uh, whether that's, uh, you, you know, nobody ever think about building in their own EHR. And so there's there's lots of different components of that. Yeah, so that could, Dr. Bart, that could be, uh, you know, part of that TCO discussion is someone could look back and say, well, or someone could say, this would be cheaper if we just build it, but it could be a little more complicated than that. Absolutely, Anthony. That's actually something that we look at. You know, I think UPMC is um, an innovative leader with technology, um, which means that uh, we do have a number of programmers or programming groups that we're um, looking at building different niche solutions. We always look at the vended market first to see what's there. And if there isn't something there that meets the needs, then we consider building it. And the opposite is true. Uh, how we ended up with Kairos, we, we ended up, we had a homegrown find a doc solution. It was gonna have to become replatformed. 
Um, and one of the things that we looked at it, you know, Joel talked about life cycle management of solutions. Well, there's also data cycle management on a solution. And we looked at our, our incumbent find a doc, which worked reasonably well, but the data cycle management was not very good on it. And, and um, as we started thinking through that and going through the value analysis of it, it made sense to look at the, there's a number of professional grade solutions out there. Kairos was the one that fit us most specifically and, and the one that we, we chose. But um, I think that you need to make those reassessments, especially, especially with homegrown solutions. If you developed it five or more years ago, there's a good possibility that there's a, an off the shelf solution in that space today. And that's something that we always go back. Should we replatform or should we actually go look for something off the shelf? And in this case, we made an off the shelf decision. And that, that might be hard, right? Uh, Joel, I don't know if you've been in a position of having to get away from a homegrown solution. There's a lot of emotions. People feel very connected to that and, and have invested in it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's certainly um, a, a difficult decision, um, or for those that had invested in it for sure. But you know, I think to Dr. Bart's point, you know what um, what's compelling is ultimately when you look at um, you know the experience and again the outcome that you're trying to achieve, and uh, and then of course you know this notion of maintenance and management over time, whether it's the data or or the technology itself. Uh, tends to uh, to be a good reminder for for particular users that you know um, there's a lot of um, effort uh, and potentially fallibility in in um, having your own uh, homegrown system now you can customize it for sure but you know how many times have we uh, broken things when um, when we had to reintegrate et cetera and so uh, at some level uh, you know I think they you remind them of that, and then they they say, you know what, let's just standardize it, or let's just go with you know, with a, a an off the shelf solution, and, and just um you know kind of wash our hands with that stuff. So I, I think we're getting towards that uh, you know uh, more and more these days because of uh, folks understanding and um you know just experience with technology in general. All right, we're gonna go to uh, my favorite section. Ask a co panelist. Um, and I, I want to start with Dr. Bart. Dr. Bart, do you have a question for one or both of your co-panelists? I would, you know, I think for, for Joel, as, you know, we're, we're also similarly um, positioned within Pennsylvania as your healthcare system is in your state. And um, how, how are you viewing keeping your healthcare system sort of at the digital forefront relative to the competition because there's two things you're trying to achieve right you're trying to achieve simplicity for the patient or consumer but also you're trying to distance yourself from the competitors and and we haven't talked about too much about distancing from competitors and i'd be very interested in sort of your viewpoint on that yeah it's uh you know it, it is the the balance that that we have to strike and and we're sort of you know arguably and and quite honestly we're we're just at the at the sort of the beginning of our of our digital journey, um, and so you know uh, the way that I look at it is is that if we make it um, if we truly achieve our our vision of personalized coordinated care, which I just I love saying because it just to me it's just so um, accessible and tangible for what I need to do. If we can achieve that, that means that we reduce the friction uh, of um, you know the 
engagement between our patient and and the enterprise. And if I can do that uh, with the technology that we offer them or the digital capability that we offer them, I think we, you know, we win the the game of um, or, or the the competition at some level with not just those that are around us physically, but you know, even those that are um, virtually our competitors, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, and you know, if, if we can make it easy and seamless and personalized, then then I think you know we'll continue to have uh, loyalty and or it becomes you know as people like to say sticky, and um, and then we have. Uh, you know, sticky, um, uh, uh, you know, patrons or patients. And so, um, you know, we know that we have an access problem. I think that's an access, uh, that's an imperative for all health systems. So starting with that, you know, how do you make it easy? How do you make it personalized? Um, and so um, I think if I, if, I, if I focus on that and I focus on the design, the human-centered design aspects of that, um, that product or that capability, we outpace our competition um, you know, for, for sure. And, and that's sort of the simple principle that I have. I, I, I mean, I would love nothing more than to offer the, the prettiest looking, um, you know, application or, 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 or app and the, the most highly functioning one. But if, if it doesn't meet the, um, the, you know, the, what I'd say the simple needs of the user are, um, then it doesn't matter how great it looks. Uh, we'll, we'll lose them to somebody else who has a more frictionless experience. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate the thought on that. Very good. Scott, do you have a question for one or both of your co-panelists? I do. Um, I would love to ask them both questions, but I know we're running up against the time. I'll, I'll start with Dr. Bart. So, so Dr. Bart, there, there's, uh, there's a lot of price transparency rules that are out there uh, for the last year or so. And as UPMC is both a, a plan and a deliverer of care, I'm curious, have you started to think about how you use those price transparency rules in a kind of a strategic way to in, in improve the overall member and patient experience uh, that might differentiate you from some of the competition? Yeah, I, I, um, so we have had some of those discussions, Scott. Um, you know, just to be clear, there's a, there's a pretty significant corporate firewall between the payer side and the delivery side. Having said that, because these are going to be publicly facing, you know, there's some conversation. I think we're, we're trying to understand from a legal perspective how coordinated that conversation can be between the member side and the patient side, um, to be quite honest. Um, I think that um, the transparency on the member side, is, to, to me, seems to be a bit more straightforward. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that one, I think, is moving along at a much faster pace. Um, in um, Allegheny County, where Pittsburgh sits and the surrounding five counties, about 50% of the patients who get care at, our, at, a, at a UPMC facility are also a member. And so in that concentrated market, um, making sure that we have some sort of alignment on what the payer side and what the the delivery side is doing is important. The challenge on the delivery side, and and I'm sure Joel struggles with this too, is that our our charge description master, which is where a lot of this information on the delivery side comes from, it it varies from each facility because not each facility has the same cost footprint, right? Mm -hmm. 
We have big academic teaching hospitals. We have small near critical critical access hospitals, and we have some you know medium to large community hospitals. And trying to um, work through sort of translating that into consumable information that's actually useful for a patient or a consumer trying to make a financial decision or to incorporate finances into their care decision, it it honestly has been a bit challenging. I think we're getting better at it, but I think that the uh, UPMC as well as the industry has a long ways to go. And I think fulfilling beyond the letter of what that requirement was trying to achieve. Because I think what we're trying to do, right, is to get, I know that there's a really good doctor who does this procedure at this facility, but what is the cost or value of that, including incorporating the financial piece relative to another doctor at another facility who seems to have similar outcomes that are publicly reported? I think the industry is not quite at that point, but I think um, we're, we're moving in that direction. And it, it will be something that, that consumers having more and more choice of where to get care, I think it will be a factor in them determining where they go to. So there's a combination of, the, of decreasing the friction, as Joel said, but then it's also increasing the consumability and access to the true cost of care to them that's, that's got to be achieved. Yeah. I agree. Thank you for that 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 uh, thoughtful response. All right. Well, we're almost out of time, Scott. I want to give you uh, one opportunity to give a final thought um, for our audience today. Something to take away, a little piece of advice for some of the things we discussed. Well, thank you, Anthony, and and again, Joel, Dr. Bart, thank you very much for uh, spending the the hour with us. I hope our audience uh, was able to glean something from your thoughtful and insightful responses to the to the excellent questions that Anthony and team put forward. Um, I think that if if uh, I could leave one parting word for the audience, it, it is that as you're embarking on your digital patient access journeys, um, clearly you need to be considering both what the member or patient experience will be, along with what the operational impact will be as well. And, and, and make sure you're addressing both sides of the coin because if you try to go after one or the other, you're probably going to fail in our economic environments today. Excellent. Well, that's about all we had time for today. Regarding continuing education, you could use the final slide in this deck. You'll get an email when the on-demand recording of this event is ready for viewing. If you want to sponsor an event with us, you can reach out to Nancy Wilcox from our team and go to our website to register for upcoming webinars. With that, I want to thank our tremendous panel, Dr. Rob Bart, Joel Venko, Scott Andrews, and Kairos for sponsoring and you for attending. With that, everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much.